0: Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear Christian friends, Amber Geiger was a Dallas police officer who was found guilty of murder in October of 2019. Ms. Geiger thought that she was entering her apartment, which was really one apartment below the one she was walking into. She saw Botham Jean in the apartment and thought that he was a burglar. Uh, She had just come off of her shift and had her police weapon with her. She fired two shots, killing him in his own apartment. When I teach about the power of forgiveness in my catechism class, I use a video of Botham Jean's 18-year-old brother, Brant Jean, who is on the stand in the courtroom for the sentencing of former police officer Amber Geiger. He said, If you are truly sorry, I know, I can speak for myself. I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even on behalf of my family. But I love you, just like anyone else. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I personally want the best for you. I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. And then Brandt turned to the judge and asked her. I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug, please? The judge says no, and he pleads again, please, and she relents. And then Brant and Officer Geiger meet in the courtroom, and they are hugging and weeping. The judge in the background, she's crying. There's others in the courtroom that are crying because this is a wonderful and visible display of forgiveness. But not everyone was so impressed with Brandt's forgiveness. His mother told reporters later, What Brandt did was to cleanse his heart toward Amber. I do not want it to be misconstrued as a complete forgiveness of everybody. Plus, there were hundreds of protesters outside of the Dallas courthouse. There were thousands in the Twitter mob who mistook forgiveness for leniency. A horrible crime and injustice had been committed, and many were not willing to forgive so easily. Well, friends, what if something horrible was done to you? What if someone took the life of one of your family members, or someone robbed you and emptied out your bank account? Your reputation was destroyed, a child was harmed. Would you be able to forgive? What if someone came and offered forgiveness and you and your family weren't yet ready to forgive? Would you be able to forgive the forgiver? Today we see another reason to hate Jesus. And that's because Jesus forgives so easily. It is our sinful nature sees these wounds as too fresh. That the pain is too great. We want to hold on to our hurt and anger for a while longer. We want to punish others according to our sinful nature. And so we withhold forgiveness. Mark presents the story in our gospel lesson. This new rabbi is traveling around the northern part of Galilee. And the experts in the law, they send a contingent to go Check out this new rabbi. The experts in the law were experts in the study of the scriptures and in the application of those scriptures. And they find Jesus who has set up a classroom this day in a home in Capernaum. And the home is packed. You can't even get in the doorway. He is teaching to a packed house. People were clamoring for the gospel. They wanted the good news. They wanted to hear about God's forgiveness. And it's really no different today. It may seem as if our current culture wants nothing to do with God's word and his will. And it seems that way because that's really the way it is. But that means that the people you know and the people we are trying to reach, they are hungry For the bread of life, they are parched for the water of life. That they don't know it, but the reason that they are so depressed and melancholy is because they are living without God's forgiveness. This house is filled with people who are listening to Jesus teach, and maybe they don't notice right away that there's a scratching going on above them, and then they see some dirt falling from the ceiling. Soon, they're able to see sunlight. That four men have climbed up onto the flat roof of this one story Capernaum home and they've made a stretcher sized hole for their paralyzed friend to lower his mat down in front of Jesus. When these four men, when Jesus sees this paralyzed man in front of him and he has seen the faith of his friends, he says, The man on a stretcher. Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus begins with forgiveness. He doesn't begin with sin because he knows what this man needs. He needs healing. Healing first for his soul. Later on, healing for his body. Son, your sins are forgiven. But there's the crux of our issue with our sinful nature and Jesus. What right does Jesus have to say this? Has he ever met this man before? Has this man sinned against him? Does Jesus know what this man may have done? Could he have ruined someone's reputation? Could he have gotten drunk and been abusive to his family? Could he have neglected his family? Could he have gotten into an accident that injured other people and that caused his paralysis? We don't know anything about this man's sins, but does Jesus know what this man has done? Shouldn't the people that he has sinned against be the first ones to say, Son, your sins are forgiven? What right does Jesus have to toss around absolution so freely? The experts in the law hear Jesus offering forgiveness, and they're thinking, Why does this fellow speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Notice that they're not angry with Jesus for his teaching. They're not angry with Jesus for his healing. They are angry with him because he is forgiving. Why? Because they rightly took sin seriously. They know that only God can forgive sins, and God requires sacrifice and substitution for forgiveness. The religious leaders would go on to get so many things wrong about Jesus, but this they get 100% right about him. Because every time you sin, you are sinning first and foremost against God before you sin against another person. The experts in the law agreed with the psalmist. We agree with the psalmist against you. You only have I sinned. Jesus knows what they're thinking. He looks around and asks, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to tell the paralyzed man your your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your stretcher and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take your stretcher and go home. Jesus is setting out a challenge. Anyone can say that sins are forgiven. and You just have to believe them. But if I say, get up, take your stretcher and walk, and then I heal that man, he takes up his stretcher and he walks, well, that proves I have the authority to not only heal, but also forgive. So how could we possibly be angry with Jesus for healing and forgiving? But we are. According to our sinful nature, we love to hold on to sins. It is so much easier for for us to clench our fists tightly around the sins and the wrongs that have been committed against us than to open up our hands and give everything to God. Think about it. We make lists for grocery items and for running errands. But there's one thing that we never have to make a list for. We we never have to make a list for those who have committed wrongs against us. We know that list by heart. Ex-husbands and ex-wives. Friends who have stabbed us in the back. Criminals who have taken away a loved one. Mothers who have abandoned us. Fathers who have abused us. Bullies who have ruined our reputation on social media. You know them. You don't need to make a list. They've hurt you, wronged you, sinned against you. And so face it, your sinful nature hates it when it hears these words from Jesus, forgive as I have forgiven you, or Turn the other cheek or love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We don't like to think about the consequences when we pray this petition in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But then Jesus gives us this chilling warning If you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So here is what we need to understand and appreciate about Jesus. He loves forgiveness. He loves to give us forgiveness. He loves for us to forgive other people. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was to win forgiveness for us from our Heavenly Father. Jesus proved that he had the authority to forgive sins when he healed this paralyzed man. And three years later, Jesus used this authority to lay himself down on his cross for this man who had previously been laying upon his stretcher. Forgiveness comes at a cost. We often want to withhold forgiveness because we want that person to suffer a little while, to be punished at least a little while before we give forgiveness. What we need to remember about forgiveness is someone always is punished in order for us to give forgiveness. Someone else is a sacrifice. Someone else is a substitute. And that's Jesus Jesus paid the cost for our forgiveness with his broken body and his bruised head. He paid the price with his love and blood and pain and condemnation. He paid with his life so that there could be forgiveness from God. Forgiveness for this paralyzed man. Forgiveness for his four friends. Forgiveness for you and me and even forgiveness for those who have wronged you and me. Psalm 51 is right, against you. You only have I sinned. And so when that bully harasses you on social media, he is first of all harassing God. When your family is dysfunctional, it is first of all dysfunctional toward God. When the drunk driver took away your child... He first of all took away one of God's children. And what does God do with those who have wronged him, hurt him, sinned against him? He forgives them for Jesus' sake. But how can I forgive if I cannot forget? That is the question of a woman who has had her husband commit adultery against her. But if you listen to her words carefully, she's not so much asking a question as she is making a statement. She's really saying, I cannot forgive as long as I remember what he's done to me. In her mind, she cannot move forward as long as she can remember those sins against her. But that's not the only condition that we make before we forgive. I won't forgive until he proves he deserves it. I won't forgive until I'm sure that she has learned her lesson. I won't forgive until I'm sure that they are really sorry for what they did. I won't forgive until I'm sure that they won't ever hurt me again. And they sound reasonable. Reasonable to our sinful nature. But not reasonable to our believing, sanctified spirit. Because as Christians, when we look in the scripture... We don't find any of those reasons for forgiveness in God's word. Scripture gives us one reason to forgive. It says, forgive as God forgives you. Because Jesus did not decide to offer his life only after we proved to him that we deserve it. Jesus did not climb up onto Calvary's cross only after he was sure that we had learned our lesson. Jesus did not hang on the cross after each person in the world had personally said, I'm sorry. And Jesus did not wait to die until he was sure that we would never commit those wrongs again. No knowing our sins that we have committed, that we will commit, Jesus carried each one of them to the cross where he paid the price for every one of them. A sacrifice was required, a substitution was made, and then God forgave every one of them. Jesus knows how difficult it is for you to forgive other people. And that's why this series is so important because our sinful nature hates Jesus. And so it's necessary for us to look into the mirror of God's law today to see that our lack of forgiveness, that's a sin too. And we need to give that sin to Christ on the cross. Then we can appreciate it as Christ takes that sin along with all of our other sins and puts it on himself, and gives us God's forgiveness in return. And then, now, as sanctified Christians, we love, we appreciate, we glory in Christ's forgiveness. And then we use God's word as a guide. We look, what does God want us to do with this forgiveness? He's just given me. And we go out and we forgive others as we have been forgiven. So rather than hating Jesus because he forgives so easily. We love Jesus because he forgives us so easily when we sin against him. And then we are moved to love others when they sin against us. Then we are able to put Jesus' words into actions, forgive as I have forgiven you. Amen.